Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. I'm going to read um, portions of Philippians, the third chapter, the 10th verse through the 14th verse in the Amplified. And uh, we've been kind of, uh, I've been kind of using our Wednesday night services during December to kind of get us prepped for um, the upcoming new year. We always take the first uh, three weeks of the new year uh, to pray. And if you would like fast and, um, you know, whether that be actually fasting like a true food fast or or whether that is uh, that you fast maybe social media or different things. The important thing about fasting um, is, and there's people that have a lot of opinions, there's people that say it's not a fast unless you actually fast food, and, and that's fine. I mean, uh, go for it. And, um, and I do. From time to time, I will fast food or certain types of food or something like that. I might cut out uh, stuff that I like and just kind of uh, eat the necessities or whatever. Um, but the most important thing is, is that the thing that you're doing is you're replacing something that, you, that takes a lot of your time with actually reading your Bible and praying and spending time with God. That's the most important thing. And I, I believe the, the reason why people would fast food uh, back in the day was because if you think about it, that was something that took up a lot of time back then. It doesn't take a lot of our time to eat these days, does it? I mean, you can go in there and you can find you something, but you know, no refrigeration, no uh, fast food restaurants, nothing like that, no microwavable meals or anything like that. And so um, people spent a lot of their time gathering food, killing food, uh, preparing food, cooking food, and then eating. And it was, a, it was a huge part of their culture too. It was a huge part of their social culture. And uh, so I'm not trying to talk you out of fasting uh, by any means because I believe that if you do it for the right reasons that God will bless that time uh, for your life and you should do it if you feel like you're led to. But if you just don't eat and then you don't replace that time with seeking God, then all you're going to get is hungry, right? And that's not what it's about. Uh, A time of prayer and fasting is about being filled with the right things, being filled with the things of God. Amen? And so I'm taking Wednesday nights because Sunday mornings I'm trying to keep those more in like a Christmas uh, type messages. Uh, But I'm trying to use our Wednesday nights to prepare us and to get our hearts stirred uh, for that time of seeking God. So uh, we've been in in, uh, Isaiah, the 40th chapter that that says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I've been talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm talking about how uh, God says that if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. If you ask, you shall receive. And so tonight, I want to talk about, this is just some really practical stuff. And uh, I want to talk to you about keys to successfully obtaining your faith goals. How many know we ought to have faith goals? You know, a lot of people understand naturally how to have goals, fitness goals or our business goals, our uh, family goals, or whatever. But how many know we should have faith goals too? Amen? And uh, I'll explain more about what I mean by that. But Paul uh, wrote to the Philippians in the third chapter, starting in the 10th verse, and this is 10 through 14, the Amplified. It says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. 
want to read that again. It's so good. This is Paul's desire. He says, uh, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope I press on to lay hold of one thing I do. So from these verses, you can clearly see that the Apostle Paul is a goal setter. Those were some goals. You know, that, that wasn't something that he said that he had fully obtained. It's some things that he said, I'm determining to, to do these things. Now, a lot of times people say, well, I'm determining to build the house of, of mine and my wife's dreams or my family's dreams. I'm determining that I want my business to be this way. I'm determining that my life looks this way. I'm deter- we've determined some stuff in our heart. And all those things are good. And I believe that most of those dreams uh, are God-given. But also, I want to have more of a heart like the Apostle Paul says, and I want to determine to know him. That, I've got some bullet points. I've got some things. I've got a checklist here. Not that you completely check it off the list where you're completely done, but in my life, I want to do these things. I want to determine and purpose uh, that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, that I'm putting this, you know, a lot of, it's, it's become very popular, and we're, we're talking about this a little bit, but it's becoming very popular to have, I guess, I don't know, I may, may not have the right terminology, but these dream boards. You, you've seen these people have these, they, they put them up in their house, and they take ma- magazine clippings, and they take all these different things, and they, they put them on their dream board. Why? They want to visualize what they want to see in their life. And people are doing these things with natural things. Well, I believe that Paul was writing these things down because he said, in the spirit, this is, this is the type of man that I want to be. This is the type of Christian that I want to be. Amen? One of the most important uh, contributions that you can make towards your success in fulfilling God's plan for your life is to develop the habit of continuous goal setting. Uh, once you have determined God's will, then set goals and ask yourself, do I want this badly enough that I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to pay the price because sometimes we desire certain things and we say we want certain things, um, but I don't know. I, I, it's, it, maybe it's this way in your life, maybe it's not, but I know in my life, sometimes because I think about things and I think that it would be a good thing and then I might even make plans to do those things, sometimes it just stops right there. Anybody else? It just stops right there. Sometimes I'll, um, I've, I've done this in staff meeting before. I've gone to staff meeting, and man, we, we had an idea for something, and we want to do this. And so me and, and Christy and Tim and Sandra and Elijah, we'll, we'll talk it through. And man, we've got it all, you know, everybody wrote it down on a piece of paper. And I've, I'm really bad about walking out of that meeting. And because we went through all the steps and we discussed it and we wrote it down, that it's done. How many know it's just begun? It's not done, right? And, and, and part of that is, is that when you begin to do that, that you've got to determine in yourself, do you all want this badly enough to actually pay the price? Begin to see yourself accomplishing your goals. There's a direct relationship between how clearly you can see yourself accomplishing your goals on the inside and how rapidly they will actually be accomplished on the outside. You know, we understand this about certain things that we desire, 
And, um, but when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes we just kind of, we just kind of let it float. We just kind of think maybe it'll happen if it's supposed to happen, but we don't do that with anything else. I mean, if there's something that we want to obtain a certain goal that we want to have, man, we, we visualize what it's going to look like. If we do that, we, we see ourselves doing that so many times. I mean, um, Christy knows that if, if I get something in my head about, you know, maybe a new hobby or something like that. The first thing that I'm going to do is, I, is something's going to spark my interest, and then I'm going to be start. I'm going to start seeing myself do those things in my mind's eye. I'm going to see myself doing those things, and then the more I see myself doing those things, I'm going to start talking about how much I like these things to her. And then the more I talk about those things that I like towards her, the next thing you know, there's Amazon packages coming in about those things that I want to see myself doing, and then eventually I will do the thing that I've been looking forward to doing, right? It's that progressive thing that you do and that you begin to seek those things out. Well, that's all fine and good with hobbies, but how many of you know that, it, that uh, we, we work the same way, whether it's hobbies or whether it's the things of, of God, because it has to become a desire. And most of the time, it's because we don't know that we're supposed to have that type of godly desire to seek after these certain things. We think, well, we got saved and, and, and we received Jesus Christ, and then I, I guess if God just wants those things added to my life, then it's just going to happen. Well, you've got to desire those things. And even the Apostle Paul said, I am determining and I am purposing, Right? Well, if the Apostle Paul had to determine and purpose to know God more, how many know we need to determine and purpose to know God more too, right? It can't just be a good idea. It can't just be something that we kind of, uh, uh, you know, talked about here, there, and yonder. Or, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to know God more. I'd like to have a better prayer life. Or I'd like to read my Bible more. You know, we don't do, if we really want to obtain something, we don't, we don't talk like that. We actually start doing things, Right? Um, I remember years ago, somebody said, you can tell the difference between someone who, um, who actually goes hunting and who somebody just thinks that they like hunting, and that is their stuff, if they're a real hunter, if, they're, if they really do those things, their stuff is kind of worn out. It just kind of, you can tell when somebody uses something, right? And uh, it's kind of like me as a carpenter. You know, I've got a saw that I bought probably in... I don't know. Well, is, was it Jackson born yet? What? Yeah. It's like 2003 maybe. And listen, I didn't buy a DeWalt because I couldn't afford it. I didn't buy, you know, a Makita because I couldn't afford it. I bought, hold on to your horses. I went to Lowe's and they had a brand called Workforce. You ever heard of a Workforce? Yes, because they're not good. But I do so little carpentry work that I still got a, a saw from 2003 that still works, not because it's a good saw, but because it hasn't worked that much. Because I'm not a carpenter. I use it when I have to. When I, and now, I can, I can do pretty good when I have to, but I don't do it very much. But you, you take that same saw and you give it to a guy that builds houses, it probably wouldn't last a week, right? And so when we're determining to go after something and we really have a, the idea of paying the price to, to go after and, and make something a part of our life, how many of you know, it, it's, it can't, it's got to move from just a thought. It's got to move from just a, uh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And it has to move into action where we are actively going and we are actively doing. It becomes a part of you. I remember as a Christian when that really began to happen for me, because before I would listen to messages and I would go, man, that sounds good. Yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. Okay, that's good. Well, when it moved from that and me really discovering and really beginning to fellowship with God through the Word of God and through prayer, all of a sudden, 
where, where I used to, people would ask me questions about the Bible, and I'd go, you know, Pastor Paul said this, or Pastor Chris said this, or, you know, this, that, and the other. It would move from that to all of a sudden the Holy Spirit on the inside of me would say, well, the Word of God says this, and then the Word of God says that, and then, you know, I was praying the other day, and I was asking God about that, and this kind of, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Now, there's a major difference in that and then you just quoting what you heard another person say about the Bible. I'm not saying that you, that you don't get good stuff from listening to someone preach. I mean, we have to do that. It's, it's, it's what kind of helps you there. But there's a difference between someone who just listens to preaching and someone who actually determines and purposes in their life to know him. Amen? And to know his word. Um, begin to see yourself accomplishing your goals. Uh, so here's seven, the seven reasons most, well, I won't say most, let's say seven reasons that Christians um, maybe don't ever set spiritual goals, or we could say faith goals. I'm going to use these as faith goals. So here's seven reasons why we might would not, some maybe deterrences from setting these goals. Number one, we don't realize the true importance of setting spiritual or faith goals. We don't realize the true importance. And you kind of have to ask yourself, honestly, like when's the last time I determined in myself that I was going to be better at A, B, or C? I remember that, uh, even, I mean, I was a youth pastor. I'd been a youth pastor for years, and I'd preached a lot of messages. And, um, and I could tell people about Jesus, and I could, they asked me about salvation. But, you know, there were certain questions that people would ask me about salvation. There were certain questions people asked me about the Holy Spirit. There were certain questions people asked me about healing. There were certain questions people asked me about faith. Just these different little sticky points that people are, are a little bit maybe confused by or at odds with. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'd get intimidated. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Anybody else? I don't want to say that. Well, you know, uh, you, know uh, you need to call my pastor and you need to talk to him, right? I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And I remember I determined in myself, I said, you know, I don't care how long it takes, I am going to determine that I'm going to go through this Bible and I'm going to figure out what I believe or what I see the Bible says about these subjects. And I remember that, that I had a Bible, and this, is, this was me, so you might learn differently. But I had a Bible and I took, um, you know, a couple of pieces of, of cardstock and I made me a little folder, I mean a little, um, little pocket and I put it, I taped it on the inside. I still got the Bible, it's still taped. Well, in that pocket, I put index cards. And there was an index card for salvation. There was an index card for the Holy Spirit. There was an index card for all these different little deals. And I went through and I, I found all the scriptures because and, and, I believed it, but I needed to find the scriptures that, that I based those beliefs on because I, I wanted to be able to tell people not that I just believe this, but why I believe it because the word of God says this and the word of God says that. And so I took those, those cards and I wrote this number one scripture. I put number one and I put the scripture out beside it. And then underneath it, I'd say number two and I'd put that scripture. Number three, then I went through my Bible. And this is just me. I'm just telling you when I went from just reading my Bible and when I went, to just, went from just listening to people preach and, and maybe just teaching a nice little message to actually getting the word on the inside of me and fellowship with the word of God. And so as I went through there, I would go through and I would, I would go and highlight my Bible. And, I, and the, the scriptures that were like that, that had these different subjects, I did different colors. And I would go to number one and I'd put a number one beside it and I'd highlight it. And at the end of that scripture, I would put number two 
and I would, I would reference the scripture, and then I could go to that scripture, and then I would, I, at that one, I would put number two, and I'd highlight it, and I'd, I'd do the third, the next scripture I was supposed to go to. And you know, I just did that, and I did that, and I did that with all those different subjects, but what began to happen is, I didn't just begin to learn the Bible, I began to get revelation on these different subjects. And I found myself in certain situations where when I haven't been thinking about that scripture or I haven't even been thinking about that subject or anything like that, but something come up or somebody say something and all of a sudden that word just jumps right up on the inside of me. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't, I mean, that wasn't just going to happen by osmosis, right? I mean, there are certain scriptures that, that certain preachers like and certain denominations like and they say it over and over and over again and you memorize it. This goes far beyond memorization. This goes into an area where it is, it is on the inside of you. The living word of God is on the inside of you. And when that began to happen, my, my, my prayer life went to another level. My, my word life went to another level. My preaching and my teaching went to another level. Why? Because I actually had something on the inside of me to preach. Before, I was just looking up good stuff and repeating good stuff, right? But that doesn't work for, for too long. And, and, and I remember when I was just a talker, and then when I went to being a preacher, you say, well, I don't ever plan on being a preacher. Well, you, you might ought to plan to because, you know, the Lord says that if you're a Christian, that your, your job is to witness, right? How are you going to witness if you don't know what to witness about? And I'm not trying to get on to you, but I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just stating some things here to help you. They don't realize the true importance of setting spiritual or faith goals. Number two, don't know how or where to start setting faith goals. Like, where do I start? You know, if it was me, I would start where you feel like you have the most efficiency. That's where I started. I felt like, you know, if I, if I was cornered up about what I believe about certain things, I'd be like, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the only way. But why do you believe that Jesus is the only way? Well, because the Bible says, where does it say? Uh... You believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible says this, this, and this. What do you say about that? Uh, well, I don't say uh anymore, right? Not that I, I'm, I'm there to argue with people, but the point is that I felt deficient in some of those things. So if you feel like I'm, I'm deficient in believing God for, for health and healing, or I'm deficient in believing God for, for my finances, or I'm just, I just want to know him, like Paul said, I just want to know him more. Wherever those deficiencies are, you need to set some faith goals and you need, to, you need to start right there. That's, that's a good place to start. Number three, they don't see the need to set faith goals. And th this is kind of maybe the, the train of thought behind that. God is going to do whatever he's going to do regardless. But sometimes that's what we think. God's going to do whatever God's going to do regardless. Um, you know, to that, I would say, and, and, and what you're saying is, is, is you believe a, a total and complete sovereignty doctrine. And I don't want to get into that tonight, but at the same time, I do believe that God is sovereign. I do believe that, that, he, that, that it is going to be exactly the way he says it's going to be. But I also believe that when it comes to me personally, when it comes to you personally, he does have plans and he does have purposes for you. But he also, in that same instant, gave you free will. So therefore, you can choose whether or not to go along with his plans and purposes or not. We've seen it a thousand times. The Bible says that uh, he's not willing that any should perish. Well, that tells you right there that God's will is that no one perishes. But we know people are going to perish, not because God wants them to perish, and not because God didn't provide a way for them not to perish, but because by their own free will, they chose not to get in line with God's sovereignty, right? 
And so some people have that, well, God's just going to do whatever God's going to do whenever. So what's the point in setting any kind of faith goals? Because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Well, if that, that line of thinking was true, then Jesus would have never told us to have faith in God. For if you have faith in God, then you could speak to a mountain and it could be removed. And he said, therefore, when you're praying, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll have whatever you say you have. Jesus wouldn't have said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask what you will and it shall be done for you. What would he have said? Well, have faith in God that God's just going to do what he's going to do when he's going to do it. That's what he said. You have nothing to do with it. So you just hold tight. And if good things come, it was God. And if, it was, if bad things come, it was God. That's not what Jesus said, was it? Matter of fact, when Jesus is in the boat, and he's asleep in the, in the bottom of the boat. He's, he's asleep, and a great storm comes up, so, so much so that they thought that the boat was going to get capsized. They were going to die. They go down. They said, don't you care that we're about to drown? And he gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. Did Jesus have something to do with that? Majorly had something to do with it. His words had something to do with that. But then he turns to his disciples. He said, why do you have such little faith? Well, we could take that one of two ways. We could take that as he's saying... I'm Jesus, I'm in the boat with you. Why did you have faith that we would that why didn't you have faith that we would ever not sink? Or we could take it as, and this is how I take it, that Jesus looked at them and said, I was asleep. You could have done what I just did. Why did you wake me up for something you could have done? Amen? Why? Because God has included us in this. If he didn't include us in this, then we wouldn't really have a job to do other than just be good. But how many you know we have stuff to do? We have stuff to believe God for? If we don't believe that, why are, why are we even in this room? To help us be good? No, Jesus' blood is what makes us righteous. But because he's made us righteous... We want to get in line with his will. We want to get in line with his plans. Why? Because we want to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. We want to let God use us. Amen? That's how, that's how awesome God is. God's so awesome that he could do all this if he wanted to. But he says, I want to use you because I made you to fellowship with me. And I made you to be a part of what I was doing. And Satan came and he messed that up. And so... Even though I ultimately had to send my son to clean the mess up, you still have a part to play in that. I need you that after you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior to go out and be a witness unto me. Right? How am I going to be a witness for you, God? By believing the word of God for your life. By setting some things in motion in your life and saying, I'm determining to know him more. I'm determining to have his, have his plans and purposes happening in my life. I'm determining to believe his word for me. Why? So that when people can look at me and say, hey, how come your life looks like this and my life looks like that? Oh, let me tell you, I serve Jesus. It's no accident, my friend. Yeah, I might have been dealt a different uh, hand of cards than, than you were dealt, but ultimately, 
it's Jesus. Ultimately, it's his favor on my life. Ultimately, it's because that I submit to him and he's my Lord and he leads me. And I, and I, I, I search his word daily and I, I spend time with him and he leads me and he guides me into truth. And as he leads me and guides me in the truth, he makes my path straight because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm not saying that to you because I'm arrogant and I'm prideful. I'm saying that to you because the word of God says that about me. And the word of God says that about you if you'll receive Jesus Christ and you'll begin to follow him. Amen? So number four, they aren't serious enough about wanting to fulfill God's will for their lives. Number five, they haven't yet accepted responsibility for their life. Irresponsible people only make elaborate excuses for why they aren't successful. You ever notice that? Well, I'm going to. Well, you know, I mean, you ever met somebody that, and I, I hate to be ugly, but I've met people before that didn't have a house, they didn't have a car, they were borrowing money. I mean, I knew, I knew one guy, he was, he, and, and, and this is, I'm not making fun of him, I'm not making fun of the poor. This man was not poor because of circumstances, this man was poor because of mindset. And he literally said, he had a little boy, and he literally said that he was just as content to go from house to house where people would let him sleep, him and his boy sleep on their couch than he was to get a job or to do any better for his life. And I thought it was the saddest thing I've ever heard because there's no motivation. But I'll, I'll tell you this, every conversation I ever had with that person, he knew everything about everything. You would start to say something, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. He knew everything, but had never done anything. So, a lot of people, when it comes to this, and the reason why they don't ever set any kind of real goals or even spiritual goals, people can do this spiritually. They can have everything going on for themselves naturally. But you look at their spiritual life and you go, um, why, why, why aren't you, you progressing in the word of God? Why aren't you progressing in your life with God? It's because they haven't taken responsibility for their spiritual life yet. They make elaborate excuses all the time for why they aren't successful in that area. So, I, so I've met people naturally that way, but I've met people spiritually that way. I've met people that literally won't darken the doorways of the church for almost a year. And then I guess when they feel like that they have mounted up enough sin and they've mounted up enough bad mistakes, they'll call and, and they almost treat you like a Catholic priest. They want to you know, confess all their sins and they, they cry and they want you to pray over them and, and they might come to church that Sunday and then you don't see them again for another year. And of course, I'll continue to do it. But if they ever really truly asked me to be honest with them, I would probably have to say, well, you've never really decided to serve God. You just want your conscience cleansed every time you feel bad. Right? So they haven't made, taken responsibility for their life. Number six, they don't believe they can accomplish their faith goals. So why bother setting one? You could also say that they have a fear of being disappointed. 
Has anybody ever not wanted to believe God something because you're afraid it wouldn't happen and then you would look silly? I mean, I, I've been there before. I've known God has wanted me to believe for something and, and I thought, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to step out there and do that because I don't want to make God look silly. You think you could ever make God look silly? I don't think you could. I think that's just the devil trying to keep you held back. Number seven, this is the last one. They're controlled, and it may go hand in hand with number six, but they're controlled by fear of failure. So some people maybe have failed so many times at really truly serving God, and they've just decided that the best that I can do is make some church services, maybe help out around and, and just, you know, be a, as good a person as I can. But when it comes to truly serving God and, and really growing that part of my life, you know, I've had so many setbacks that I'm just not going to try anymore. And what I would say to you is join the club. Every person that has ever done anything great for God or followed God's plan for your life has had so many setbacks. But what it is, is you're caught in a cycle of thinking that it's your goodness that makes that continually go. It's not your goodness, it's God's goodness. And if your heart is right in what you're doing, it doesn't matter how many times you fail. Now, like what one person said, God will let you work the problem over and over and over until you get it right. You know, a lot of times we think that if we, if we work the problem one time, we turn in the test and we fail, then we go, oh, well, I just, you know, I guess that's just it. No, 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 work it again. Go at it again. Just don't do it the same way every single time. Make sure that you're trying to go back and figure out where did I, where did I go wrong? I remember, you know, I had a great desire because the Bible says to have this desire. I had a great desire uh, for um, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating and working in our church in, in, in Magnolia. I have that desire here. And the Bible actually says that you should desire spiritual gifts, Right? The first part of that says, it says, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these spiritual gifts. And so, you know, I, I just felt like that, you know, for whatever reason, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of people operate in certain gifts before. And uh, I wanted to see those things. So I began to desire and I began to desire that. And I began to pray for that. And we were beginning to pray because I want to see signs and wonders working in the, in the church again today. Amen. I believe it's what really sets people free. Um, I believe that consistently preaching the word and, and worshiping and prayer, and prayer is what sets that foundation. But I, I'm, I've seen this happen a, a thousand times. You could, you could preach a good, solid word for years, and it's that gradual change and gradual change, but then the Holy Spirit can show up in a service, and he can completely change somebody's life like that. And it's that preaching, and it's that teaching of the word, and it's that, it's that steady prayer, and it's that, that worship that pleases God that creates an atmosphere and a foundation in people's hearts for that to happen. But then you're, you're also, you need a desire that the Holy Spirit move in that way from, uh, in, in the church. And you, we have to be open for that, and we have to understand when, that, when, when he's wanting to do that. Well, I was desiring it, and I was a young pastor. And so I asked this other guy that, that I had at the time kind of respected in, in, as a pastor, and I, and I told him, I said, I said, I'm desiring this. I said, but I don't know. Maybe there's times that the Holy Spirit wants to do those things, and I'm just not, I'm not listening. So am I doing this wrong? Well, he gave me the worst advice I've ever gotten in my whole life, Pastor. And he said, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to wait for him to just do anything. He said, he said you, you step out there in faith and you just start operating. And it didn't feel right when he said it, but I was like, well, you're, you're older than me and you've been doing this a lot longer than me. Maybe that's where I've been going wrong. 
And so I did. And it was wrong. And I came back and I told my church, I said, I did did that wrong. And I'm sorry, I won't ever do that again. Because I'd always said, I always said, Holy Spirit, I'm I'm not going to make something happen. I will desire it to happen. And I will believe you to happen. But but I'm going to come in and I'm going to preach a word. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to be, but if you want to do something, I'm open to that. You're just going to have to let me know. You're going to have to nudge my heart. And I should have trusted that I can hear the Holy Spirit for myself. But I jumped out there and I did something and it was wrong. Well, sometime later, I bet it was two or three years later, me and another minister were in the back room, and I was telling him about that. I said, man, one time I did this, and I had to tell the church I was sorry, and you know, this, that, and the other. And uh, he said, well, you know, that happened to me too. He said, I was at a church, and, and this guy wanted me to do this. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not right. That's not, you know, whatever. And he said, well, then the guy started in in the service, and I didn't want to leave him hanging. He said, but I felt so wrong about that. And he said, I just vowed I was never going to do that again. Well, well, wouldn't you know it, as we're talking about all that in the back room, we go out there, me and him, and minister together. And I don't know that we've had a better, on a, on a Sunday night like that, and we, we would have those prayer services. I don't know that we'd ever had a better flow of the Holy Spirit and the gifts operating in there. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, all right, boys, I'll show you how to do this the right way, where people are blessed and that where it's not weird and all those things. And so you're, you, you can't be afraid to fail. I failed trying to pursue God. I failed trying to bless people in that, and I learned a lesson, and I said, okay, God, well, I'm just going to have to back up here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust and believe you that you're going to lead me the right way. So don't be afraid to fail believing God, pursuing God. Amen? Don't allow these common excuses to interfere with your determination to set forth, uh, to set faith goals. You will open the floodgates of your uh, potential and begin moving faster towards the fulfillment of God's will when you set goals. Setting goals enables you to always know where you're going. You have a continual sense of moving forward. Your life will become focused, purposeful, positive, and organized. Setting faith goals causes you to become single-minded, You become and you accomplish what you think about the most. You become and you accomplish what you think about the most. And that that is just absolutely true, whether it's natural things or spiritual things. Setting faith goals helps create a burning desire to accomplish those things in your heart. Don't set goals that are, are far beyond your faith. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says he's given every man a measure of faith, every person a measure of faith. And so what, what does that mean? Well, that would mean, um, let's just take this for, for an example. I'm believing God that, that this place, let's, let's just something real simple. As a pastor, I'm believing that this place is filled on a Sunday morning. Every seat filled on a Sunday morning. We've got to put out more chairs. I think that that is not just naturally obtainable, because naturally, in a town of 800 and whatever it is, it's silly that we have a church this big anyway. You know, it's, it's abnormal that we would have a church like this anyway. And so that was believed for by faith. So I'm not saying to set obtainable goals, naturally obtainable goals, but to believe God, and you'll know on the inside of you, to believe God within your measure of faith. There are certain people that have been given different measures of faith. I believe that measure of faith can grow depending on how um, uh, faithful you are to what you've been given. Amen? I liken it to the parable of the talents. So in the parable of the talents, 
the, the master of the house gave one guy one talent, one guy two, and one guy uh, five. And when he came back, the guy with five had made ten, and the guy with, guy with two had made uh, five, I think, or four, something like that. I may be getting all that messed up, but it's the, the point of the matter. And the, the guy with one didn't do anything with it. Well, you know, if the guy that, that had two had said, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God that this two is going to turn into 20 million. That'd be a little outside of where he's at, right? Naturally obtainable. And I don't know if your faith really believes what you're saying. But to say, I'm going to double this. I'm going to double this. And I'm believing God to double this was within that. And the, and the first guy with five, he said, I'm going to believe God to double this. And he did. Because you were given a measure. And so in the same way, that parable is about how God gives each and every one of us different measures. So you can't look at the person next to you and say, I'm doing more than them, or they're doing less than me, or, or anything like that, or I'm doing less than that person. Because God doesn't measure things that way. The way he measures is, what are you doing with the measure I gave you? And so when you're setting these faith goals, you have to know the measure that's on the inside of you. So I think one of the things that, that, that a lot of pastors here lately have gotten off on is they see guys like, you know, I'm just going to use some examples. They see guys like Robert Morris, who is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a pastor of Gateway. And he, you know, I read his book, and it's a great book. It inspired me greatly. But he talks about how he went from, you know, renting out a movie theater the first Sunday, um, and maybe, I think, maybe he had 80 people or something like that, and then the next Sunday it was like maybe 60 or lower than that, and, and then over time, and, you know, I think it was maybe after five or six years um, or, or maybe it was closer to 10 years, he had 20,000 people. And now it's one of the biggest churches in America. And they have multiple campuses and they, all this stuff. Well, I think where a lot of pastors got off is they'd read a book like Robert Morris's book and see what God did in his life and go, well, I live in a town of 868 people and we're going to have a church of 20,000. Now, I'm, if God wants that, I'm all for it. But if I'm believing God right now, I'll say, I'm stretching my faith and believing that every single one of these chairs is filled by the end of 2023. That, that's a faith goal that we can believe. Well, it it's, goes beyond, too, just believe in God that they'll be filled. The next step is believe God for the way that they're going to be filled. So in your life, you may be sitting at a certain level with a certain measure. You say, I'm, I'm going to believe God for this. And it's and it, it, it needs to be something that's a little bit out of your natural reach. Why? Because if it's just a little bit out of your natural reach, when, it, when it's done, you'll know God did that. And he did it through me. And I worked with him. I believed. And I took the steps that he told me to take. And look, I'm turning around and I'm, and I'm seeing this stuff happen. So setting faith goals causes you to become single-minded. You become and you accomplish what you think the most about. Setting faith goals helps create a burning desire to accomplish those things in your heart. Don't set goals that are far beyond your faith. Every man's been given a measure. Set goals that are challenging but also attainable and mostly important. Goals that you have felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to attain. So don't just grab them out of thin air. Don't say, you know what? I've just always wanted a yacht. Yeah, if you've always wanted a yacht, okay, believe God for the yacht. But you know what I'm saying. Don't just pull these things out of thin air. This is something that when we go into prayer that we believe that God lays this on our heart to begin to pursue. Amen? Don't try to do too much too quickly. 
I'm a, I, I, I probably have a little bit of problem with this. If I see the picture, I want to I want to get it done. I want to, I want to do all this stuff. And I've had to learn, as we taught on Sunday morning, God has perfect timing. And so just because he lays it on my heart, and just because now it's time for me to believe that, um, my, my job is to begin to, to believe that in faith and then listen for the steps to take when to take it. So don't, don't try to do too much too quickly. Um, believe that your goals can be accomplished. Believe that God has empowered you to accomplish them. Not only can they be accomplished, but that God is empowering you to accomplish those goals, that you're not doing this by yourself. And here's, here's to me one of the most important points that I'll tell you tonight, because I've seen it happen. You can ask my wife. This, is, this was a turning point in, in my prayer life of seeing God do things in my prayer life um, and, and actually seeing those things accomplished. But this is one of the biggest things. Write down your goals. Write them down. Um, goals that are not written are mere wishes or fantasies. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. When you write your goals down, you make them concrete and tangible and take them from someday we're hoping, that someday hoping place, and it moves them into the faith and substance place. Remember we talked about last week that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Um, the act of writing them down intensifies your desire to fulfill them. Once you've written them down, then, then back them with persistence and determination in physical steps and in prayer and never consider quitting. So I'll stop right there and, and before I, I read my last point, and then I've got a couple of scriptures and then, and then we'll be done. Um, so just uh, several years ago, I guess probably I really began to discover this um, back in uh, 2000, probably 12 or 13, when we were believing God to, um, to go pastor. And I remember we had been kind of believing God for this, and, and, and nothing really seemed to, like things would kind of seem to open up, and then it wouldn't. And uh, I can't remember what pastor it was, but there was a pastor that came through. It may have been uh, Don LeBro or Rusty Martin. And they asked Christy and I if, it was Rusty Martin, they asked Christy and I if uh, we had fasted and prayed yet. And I said, well, we've been praying, but we know we haven't fasted. And he said, well, I would just, I would just um, you know, encourage you to do a 30-day fast and, um, and then I would encourage you just to write down what the Lord says. So we determined that every morning we would get up at 5.30 in the morning and we'd pray from 5.30 to 6.30. And, um, and, and there were times where I would just pray, you know, I would have the Paul's prayers and different things like that. We'd just pray those things. And, and there was other times that I would pray out uh, just known stuff. Um, and um, then we would come home at lunch and instead of eating lunch, we would pray for that time that we had there. It wasn't a, it wasn't a total hour because we had to be back within an hour. So it was probably 30, 35 minutes we'd pray. And I would just write stuff down. And, um, you know, time went on and we became pastors at, at Bethel. And I remember maybe we were there a year or two. I can't remember how long we had been there. But as we were praying this out, um, I would have my iPad open and I would put on there day one, 530 prayer, and then I would just put whatever kind of stuck out in prayer, just whatever kind of came out. 
in prayer that, that I thought that was somewhat significant. And so it was day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Now we prayed all the way through those 30 days, but I went back and I just had ran over those notes in my, in my iPad and I was reading them. And as I was reading, it was just kind of comical, the stuff that I was saying, you know, because I had, I had thought about maybe I'm supposed to go start a church. And so I'd explored going down around the Hemphill area and seeing if we start a church or going to um, uh, Nacogdoches and maybe even, I don't know if uh, anything was really going on in Carthage at that time, just different things. We we're just, you know, just beating the bushes, so to speak. And uh, so day six in my notes, only thing that I wrote was in that time of prayer, as I was praying, I just prayed out, and Christy, you remember, I just prayed out, I said, I said, we're pastors now, we have a church now, it is available now, and I just wrote that. I remember praying that out, and it, and it wasn't something that, that I was thinking about, it just rose up in my spirit, and I prayed that out. So I prayed that on day six. I didn't think anything of it on day six. On day seven, I sure didn't think anything about it because it wasn't until maybe close to six or seven months later that we got a phone call. But on day six, I prayed, we're pastors now, we have a church now, and I also prayed it'll be as easy as taking off one set of clothes and putting on another set of clothes. I prayed that out. Day seven, the only thing that is written on day seven Got a pastor from, or got a call from the pastor at Bethel Church. Sounds promising. I prayed, I'm a pastor now, the church is available now on day six. On day seven, the only, only person to ever call me about the possibility to come to a church was the church we went to. And I didn't know it on day seven because it took a whole lot longer than that before it actually came out. But you know, I wouldn't have ever linked that together if I hadn't written it down and I hadn't gone back and reviewed that. Since then, when I'm in a time and a season of prayer, I should do it more than I do it, but when I'm in a definite, dedicated time or season of prayer, no matter if it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me or not, I just write down the things that stick out to me in my prayer time. I write down the things, the goals that I'm believing for. Even If it's something as simple as I need a new vehicle or if it's something as simple as we want, you know, uh, I, we were... Um, I was praying this before we came here, and we didn't know we were coming back here. And I was praying, and this, is, this one is even, is even better in my opinion. I was praying one morning, and I said, because we wanted a house. We lived in the parsonage. And um, the parsonage was all fun and games at first. Now, nobody really bothered us, but um, just think about it this way. We lived at our work for seven years. We never went home for seven years. Like, yeah, we had a bed to sleep in, but for seven years, we lived in the parking lot of our work. Think about you living in the parking lot of your work for seven years. And, you, you know, and, and it's not because people bother you. It's because your mind can never be out of sight, out of mind. And that's hard enough as it is as a pastor. But we, we never just shut things down and went home because I would go home for a little while and I'd sit in my chair and I'd go, you know, I could really do something over there. And I'd go right back over there and I just never, never went home. 
And so we began to believe God for a house that the church would get to a place where, where they could afford to, to let us get a house. And so I began to pray. I'd say, God, um, we're believing you for a house. It's exactly the, the type of house that we want. It's exactly in the price range that we can afford. And here's the kicker. It is exactly in the location that we desire to live in. You know, we never got a house in Magnolia, but we got the perfect one here. Amen? I wouldn't have ever known that if I hadn't have written that stuff down. So I just encourage you, whatever you're believing God for, whether it's something that is natural, because God knows we need natural things, or if it's to deepen your walk with God spiritually, Write that stuff down. Believe God for that and, and call those things that aren't as though they were. That's what the Bible says to do. It said Abraham was called the father of faith. He called those things that weren't as though they were. I got a few scriptures for you and I'll let you go. James 2.17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So hold on to your faith goals no matter what you might face. As long as you refuse, refuse to quit, eventually you will succeed. 2 Chronicles 15, 7 says, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. I like that promise. Let me read it again. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. It doesn't say your faith will be rewarded, because faith without works is dead. So you can have faith, but if you don't put works to it, the faith is dead. But God promises right here, that your work will be rewarded if, you be, if you're strong and you don't give up. Psalm 20, uh, verse 4 says, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And then Proverbs, this is coming from the smartest man they say that has ever walked the earth, Solomon. Proverbs 16, 3, Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. That's the key. Whatever you're believing God for, commit it to him. If it's something you shouldn't be believing God for and you commit it to him, guess what? He'll let you know. Hey, this isn't, this isn't for you. This isn't the time. This isn't the place. This isn't for you. I got something better for you. And then you can kind of just get yourself knocked off of that and find out what God really has for you. But those things that God puts in your heart and you know it's the, the right direction and he's leading you and guiding you, I just, uh, I just encourage you um, as we approach 2023, begin to really seriously put a lot of thought to this. Like, what am I really believing God for? What are some deficits in my life? What do I need uh, spiritually to, to be strengthened in my life? And, and how can I strengthen those? What can I, what can I read? What can I pray? Where can I get some strength in that and begin to get some direction for that? If there's physical needs in your, in your body or if there's uh, financial needs or if there's business needs or anything like that, if there's um, influence needs, you know, God wants us to have influence for his kingdom, amen? So if you're losing influence in certain places, I've seen people give up in job places that God needs them in that place around those people because they don't feel accepted and they just go on. Well, that's just the devil trying to get you to get out of there so that he can get your light out of that place. But if you'll just determine, God, I need, I need influence with these people. I need uh, to be able to go in there and them, and I have supernatural influence to be able to, to, to bring the light of the glory of Jesus Christ into this place because these people need it. Amen? I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.